Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations. And our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. We're going to land the plane today as we get into this final passage in the book of Acts. Acts chapter what? Who knows the the final chapter? Acts chapter what? 28. There are 28 chapters. And so we have been making our way slowly through this book. As a matter of fact, I I could have taken, truthfully, I could have designed this to go another year. (laughs) But we're not going to do that. We're going to end it today with this final passage in Acts. And then we're going to, very quickly, we are going to jump to another series. I'm going to give you all the details of that uh, next Sunday. But we're going to land the plane Today, and I just want to thank y'all. Before I even begin with the details of this passage we're going to look at, I want to thank y'all for being faithful. Thank y'all for loving the Word of God. Y'all are a faithful bunch. So give one another a hand. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to go through a whole book. And I realize not all of you have been here the whole time, but thank y'all very much for your attentiveness and for ultimately your hunger for the Word of God and for God Himself. And so the title of my message is, uh, since you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title of my message is very simply this. My title is Finishing Well. Finishing well. And I'm going to pray that God would help me do that today. Father, I pray today for the empowering presence of your spirit to help me, to help us finish this series well. I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would come and do what only you can do. I pray that you would open hearts and minds. I pray, come on, can we just lift our hands right now? Lord, we lift our hands to you. We are hungry for you today. And God, I pray that you would remove every distraction, every obstruction, everything that would keep us from receiving this word that you want to speak to us today. And so, Holy Spirit, we know you're here. We know you're here. But we say, come in a powerful, fresh way this Sunday morning. Lord, I pray that you would change us from the inside out. Lord, I pray you would give us revelation, ultimately, that would lead to our transformation. Jesus, we want to be more like you. And Lord, we want to accomplish your mission in the world. We we, we ask this today, that you would do it for us in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' awesome name, everyone said... Amen. All right. Well, once again, the title of my message this morning is Finishing Well. And so before we get into the text, I want to take y'all back just a little bit to catch you up to, well, make this message make sense. We got to go back just a couple of weeks ago to do that. And if you remember, several weeks ago, uh, we, we looked at uh, the book of Acts, and we looked in particular about um, this, this, this story of Paul who was appealing to stand before Caesar in Rome. He appealed to go there because the Jews wanted to kill him, but Paul, Paul made this appeal that he was going to go stand there and plead his case in Rome. And so we know that God made this promise that he was going to go there, he was going to go stand before Caesar. And so that's exactly what eventually happened if you study the story. But as Paul makes his way to Rome, as you have heard, well, he was storm-tossed, he was shipwrecked, and if you remember from last Sunday, he was snake-bitten. Y'all remember the story? From the fire came the viper that struck Paul. And so God made it clear he was going to go to Rome, and that's where he lands. We're going to read about that today, but not until, once again, he was storm-tossed, shipwrecked, and snake-bitten. And so today we're going to see that, that finally Paul reached his destination in Rome. But here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to get. 
that when Paul arrived in Rome with the others, Paul was a prisoner. Paul was in chains. Paul was not a free man going to Rome to sightsee. When he got to Rome, I'm being silly here, he did not check into a hotel to spend some vacation time there. Paul was a prisoner. And so when he arrived, I want to give you the picture of what this imprisonment looked like because there's a lot of misunderstanding about the nature of this. On one hand, we could say and joke about this that, well, he wasn't on vacation. On the other hand, some people think when he was in prison that he was in this dark, uh, dingy, nasty prison underground. But that's not the case either. Let me paint the picture for you as we begin here in Acts 28, beginning in verse 15. Listen to what Luke says. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into, you say it, into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Now, here, the, the scriptures are clear in painting this picture about the nature of Paul's imprisonment. He was not thrown into a dark, dingy cell underground. Paul, upon arriving to Rome, was attached to this Roman soldier who guarded him. So I want you to picture Paul and then a, a Roman soldier right beside him. Paul was chained to this man wrist to wrist. Okay, he was not underground. He was not in the dark. He was in uh, under basically under house arrest. If you all remember Martha Stewart. um, okay, I'm going to leave that right there. Um, He was under house arrest in an apartment. Okay, a guarded apartment. I'm sure it wasn't uh, super hospitable. It wasn't super good in terms of the conditions, but it wasn't underground. Okay, he was in this apartment under house arrest, chained to another, I should say, chained to a a soldier. And the soldiers would rotate. And so there was one soldier for four hours and then another soldier would come in. He would be bound to him. And so throughout a 24-hour period, Paul was bound day and night to a Roman soldier. And I want you to picture this with me uh, as as we think about Paul and his imprisonment. Um, Listen, here's the truth I want to get across to you today. It looked in many ways like Paul's ministry was over because he was bound in Rome to this soldier. But what I'm going to show you today is that if God wants his word to be loosed, his word is going to be loosed. If God wants his word to go forth, there's no government on the planet, no imprisonment that we'll face that will keep his word from going forth. You say, well, what do you mean, Pastor Scott? Well, Paul tells the congregation at Philippi, writing from this imprisonment, the following. Here's what he says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, what has happened to him? He's chained, right? I mean, he's in prison. He said, I want you to know what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Like, and that's so counterintuitive, isn't it? Because you think, well, advancing the gospel means Paul's going to, you know, he's going to go to synagogues out in the streets. He's going to proclaim Jesus on the go. But he says, no, no, no. I want you to know that these chains on me, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. How so? How is that even possible, Paul? Well, he says in verse 13, Philippians 1, 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. 
And so what Paul is saying is this. Hey, my Philippian brothers and sisters, I want you to know this, <laughs> that, that because of my imprisonment, because of my chains, the imperial guard, the Roman soldiers have heard my testimony. In other words, Paul's saying, well, while I'm, I'm, I'm being chained to this dude, to this Roman soldier, I shared my testimony and my testimony was this. I'm not here because I'm a murderer. I'm not bound because I'm a thief. I am bound in these chains because of my commitment to Jesus. And Paul shared that with this soldier chained to him. Now, how many of y'all know that's close fellowship? When you're chained to somebody like that, that's, that's, that's close fellowship. How many of y'all know that soldier smelled what Paul smelled? I'm going to leave that right there. Um, how many of y'all know that soldier heard everything Paul heard? He saw what Paul saw. Whenever, whenever Paul moved, well, that soldier had to move. And whenever that soldier moved, Paul, I mean, they're bound, y'all. I mean, you're talking about close fellowship. But here's what I want you to see. That soldier, that Roman guard heard everything that Paul said. And how many of y'all know Paul took full advantage of that captive audience that he had to share Jesus. And so Paul makes it clear to the Philippian church that he shared his testimony. He let those soldiers know that his captivity, his imprisonment was for Jesus. And then watch this, word spread. One soldier heard the testimony and then another soldier heard the testimony and one told another and then another told another. And Paul says that it's, it's known, my, my story in Jesus, it's known throughout the whole imperial guard that I am here. Paul said, I am here because of Jesus. Now, now think about this with me. This is crazy. Again, you would think that if Paul was going to be fruitful and the word was going to get out, that he would be on the streets, he'd be in the synagogues preaching. Well, of course he did that. But listen, God got his word to the heart of Rome, to soldiers who probably would have never heard that word had Paul not been in Roman imprisonment. How many of y'all know if God wants to reach you with his word, he's going to appoint someone to send you that word. And that's exactly what we see in God's good providence, that Paul is bound. But how many of y'all know God's word is never bound? Paul was bound, but the word of God was loosed. And all of these imperial guards heard, soldiers heard, the word went to the heart of Rome. And we don't know how many got saved, but I'm sure some, perhaps many did. But what I want you to see here, in addition to that, is here, here's the principle I want you to see, and you can write this down. Just, listen church, just be faithful Wherever God has placed you and trust him with the results. Listen, just be faithful wherever you are, faithful to the Lord. And listen, you will be fruitful if you are faithful. Just abide in Jesus. Just keep reading your Bible. Keep praying. Keep doing the next right thing. Come worship on Sunday. Just stay close to Jesus. He's going to stay close to you. Listen, we're the branches. He's the vine. If we remain in him, we're not going to bear a little bit of fruit. Come on, y'all. We're going to bear what? Much fruit for the glory of the Father. Paul, Paul remained on task. He was on mission. Even though he was imprisoned, the word got out and Paul was fruitful even while he was imprisoned. 
Come on, that's a message right there. Be faithful wherever God has placed you, wherever you find yourself, in whatever relationship, as long as it's godly, in whatever situation, in whatever circumstance, just be faithful. Y'all receive that? Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Listen to what Paul goes on to say to the Philippian church. Again, writing to this church through in this, this, this two-year period of captivity. Here's what he says. Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. He says this. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. Now remember, him chained to a guard, chained to a soldier. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be. What's the word? To be what? Don't you hate that word? Because it's so hard to be. But Paul says, for I, I mean, contentment's a good thing when you get it, but because it's hard to get it, we, we, have, we have a like, love-hate relationship with it. For I've learned in whatever situation, I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Verse 13, I can do, come on, say it with me, all things. How many things? How many? All things through Him who gives me. So I can do all things through him who gives me, who gives us what? Strength. Now, this is nuts. Who talks that way? Do you? Maybe. Because you've read Paul so many times and God over time has shaped you and changed you and to get you to the point where you can embrace this. But, but check it out. If, I'm just saying, in the flesh, if I were Paul, I would write to the Philippians and say, pray that I get the heck out of here. Take up an offering, bribe somebody to get me out of this imprisonment. How about y'all? You would. (laughs) Most of us would. Get me out of here, Philippians. Get me out of here, Christians. I I can't preach in the synagogue. I'm bound. I mean, this isn't working out. That's what I I would have probably said to them. Pray for me. Do something about the situation for me. But, But Paul says, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. What is the secret? What is that secret? He says, let me paraphrase. Paul says, whether I've got everything I need or whether I lack, whether I'm in need or my needs are met, in whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever circle of life I'm standing in, Paul said that he had learned the secret and that he could do all things through Christ who gave him strength while he was standing in those circumstances. Are y'all tracking with me? Elizabeth Elliot says it this way. The secret is Christ in me, not me in another set of circumstances. So let me say it this way. Don't wait on another set of circumstances before you become faithful and joyful and content. You have Christ in you wherever you go. And thank God Jesus is enough. No matter where you are, no matter who you're around, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, how many of y'all know Jesus is enough? As a matter of fact, he's more than enough. And boy, this preach is easy, but it lives hard. Because I'll, I'll just tell you this, we're, we're building a home. And uh, in the last year or just over a year, we've moved three times. Okay, stretch your hand and pray for me, please. Uh, moving is stressful, isn't it? Uh, we're building a house, moved three times. We're, listen, currently we're in a home now that's half the size of the one we sold and moved out of over a year ago. Okay. Can I, can I tell y'all what the Lord is teaching me? <laughs> Anybody want to take a prophetic guess? <laughs> Starts with a C? Contentment. Contentment. 
And here's what the Lord is showing us. Yes, we're looking forward to having our new house whenever it's finished. But, you know, we don't need as much as we think we do. Are y'all with me? Listen, the poorest person in here, if you live in this country, in this community, and you go to this church, and you're surrounded by so many great people, listen, you have more than most people in this world. And listen, we are blessed no matter where you live, no matter how big your house is, you've got Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you have Jesus, you are rich, spiritually rich. Paul says, in whatever circumstances, if I got a lot, praise God. How many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with the material world? We're not Gnostics. We thank God for material blessing. And there's nothing wrong with you having stuff. You just got to make sure your stuff doesn't have you. Making sure your possessions don't have you so I can, I can abound in praise and worship when I've got stuff. But when it's all taken away, I've still got Jesus because no one can take him away. Come on, y'all. We've got the spirit of the living God living in us. We've got everything we need for life and godliness through his great promises. And the Lord is teaching me this as I preach it to you. So let's grow together. Y'all want to do that? Yeah, let's do it together. I'm, I'm with y'all. I'm with y'all as we uh, walk through these circumstances we find ourselves in fighting for contentment. i got to get out of my introduction. Watch this. <laughs> Paul ministered to that soldier chain to his wrist. The word got out. Okay? But in the text here, uh, Acts 28, beginning in verse 17, Paul's aim was to preach the word, preach Jesus to his brothers, his fellow brothers, the, the Jewish people who would come and listen. Uh, let's pick it up, Acts 28, verse 17. After three days, he, that's Paul, called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, here's what he says, Jews, coming to him. Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they, when they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, here it is, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and to speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. And they said to him, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. Verse 22. But we desire to hear from you what your views are, for with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. So let me break this down. In other words, Paul is saying to this group that he's innocent. He's innocent. And listen, Paul was a Jew, and Paul was pro-Jew. But Paul knew that the hope of Israel was not Moses. The hope of Israel was not Abraham. The hope of Israel is not Hosea or David. The hope of Israel has a name, and our hope has a name, and His name is Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. How many of y'all know He is our only hope? He's not one of our hopes. He is our only hope. If you want to get to heaven, He is your only hope. If you want to be delivered from the law of sin and death, He is your only hope. If you want to be freed, if you want to live with joy and peace in your circumstances, Jesus is your only hope. 
And so Paul's saying this to the Jews. He's like, I'm not anti-Jew. I'm a Jew. I'm for y'all. I'm pro-Jew. But I want y'all to know about the hope of Israel. And they said, well, we haven't heard anything negative about you directly, Paul, about you yourself. But, but, but listen, with this, let's just, we want to hear more. We want to hear more. So let's see what happens next. Acts 28, verse 23. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him. The Jews came. This group of Jews came to him at his what? So not an underground prison. Okay. At his apartment, at his lodging. In greater numbers. So the initial crowd gathered others and they came to him in greater numbers. Here, here's the key. From morning till what? And some of y'all think I preach long. From mor- Who said that? Somebody just said, yep. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the... Now, let me just stop right here and say that these Jews heard Paul preach clearly and powerfully from their own scriptures from morning to evening. Now, at the most, I preach an hour on a Sunday at the most. Ah, No, an hour and five minutes. (laughs) Something like that. Okay, I teach these intensives where I'll, I'll go through a whole book of the Bible. Raise your hand if you've been to one of my intensives. Romans, Hebrews, something. Okay, well, we'll start at 9 and we end at 3. Okay, I'm done at 3. Okay, and for some people, like and most people, that's a long time. But from morning all to evening, Paul taught, Paul preached. And, and what I want you to see is that in doing so, this was not like a, a TED Talk. Like, this wasn't a quick Clip. This wasn't a quick teaching. This wasn't Paul just dropping a few nuggets. I mean, this was Paul preaching the whole counsel of God to these Jews. Are, are you getting the picture here? Paul is in his apartment. He's in this place. I don't know how many could get in at a time, but they're all in. They're listening to Paul teach. And he goes line by line, precept by precept from their own scriptures. This was not, this was not a quick shot in the arm of truth. Like, boom, here you go. Respond. This was like a slow IV drip of truth from morning to when? To leaving. Are y'all getting the picture? So, so watch this. In verse 24, you would think in light of the situation, in light of Paul's teaching, that really amazing things would have happened. But look at verse 24. And some, keyword, some were convinced by what he said. Okay, so that's good. It's positive. But others disbelieved. Others disbelieved. Now, what a sad picture. What a sad picture. What a sad situation. This must have been very disappointing for Paul. And let me just say this. As a preacher, as a teacher, as a communicator of the Word of God, of course, it is disappointing when you preach your heart out. And people don't respond to the Lord. And we have to remember, though, at the end of the day, it is, it is important for me, for Paul, for you, whomever speaking, to do so clearly, to do so accurately. And that just should go without saying. But listen, the power of God ultimately does not rest on our clarity or upon our eloquence. The power of God comes from the Holy Spirit of God, and He is the only one who can open a dead, unbelieving heart to cause that heart to come alive to believe the gospel message. 
or whatever truth is being shared. And so I labor to teach, to preach, to make it clear, to make it plain. At the end of the day, I do my best. But at the end of the day, my hope is not in my ability. My hope is in the Lord and yours should be too. And our prayer should be, Lord, open up my heart. God, give me the right kind of heart. Give me the right soil to receive the seed. How many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with the seed? If there is a problem, it's with the soil. And so it's, Lord, make this soil good so when the Word of God comes, it'll take deep root so that that, that I will bear fruit and fruit that remains. Are y'all tracking with me? And and so this is what we see in the situation is that some were convinced, but, but others disbelieved. And I'm sure Paul was disappointed because of this. But on the other hand, let me say this about our own day. If somebody walks out of here, though it can be disappointing, of course, and they remain an unbeliever, that person or those people leave, of course, that's frustrating. But let's be honest, when that happens, if you bring somebody and they come in as an unbeliever and they leave as an unbeliever, though it's disappointing, the truth is, for us, what do we say? Praise God they came. And then what do we do? We pray that they come. That's right. And listen, if you're an unbeliever here, if you're not picking up what I'm laying down, if you're not having all this, we are so glad. I am so glad that you are here and you are welcome to keep coming to hear the word of God. And my prayer is that one day you will respond, you will believe and be saved along with the people of God. That's my prayer for you. And how many of y'all know we should be super patient, super long suffering with those who don't believe? Y'all, y'all know what long suffering means? It means they have a long what? A long fuse. How many of y'all know God has a long fuse with us? And you didn't just jump up one day, and unless you got saved really, really, really early in life at a young age, for at least for me, God used circumstances, the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was like several things, many things that happened over the course of the year. And then, then, then in August of 2000, my heart came alive and I believed. And it was so simple. But it was only simple. It was only easy because the Holy Spirit brought me alive. And if you believe the gospel today, if you're trusting in Jesus, it's because the Holy Spirit has brought you to life. And I pray that if you're dead today to the gospel, dead to the truth I'm speaking, my prayer in love is that God would make you alive as he's made me alive. Come on, church, let's pray for that. But here we see... In the text that many disbelieved, and for us that's just another Sunday, because we pray that that person or those people will come back another Sunday. But this was different. Paul's situation was different with these, these Jews. Now let, let me clarify here. Let me say this because you've got to clarify this stuff today. There is not an anti-Jewish bone in my body. Y'all clear on that? So when I say the Jews, I'm not talking about all Jews, like we need to look at the Jews with contempt. I'm talking about these Jews as Luke presents them in front of Paul, this particular group... Some within disbelieved. They wouldn't believe. And here's the problem. Here's the issue. This this situation was different because here's the principle. To whom much is given, much is... Now, do do y'all like my teaching? Do y'all like it? I assume so because you're here. Got a lot of options of, in, in town, other places you can go to hear. So, and I don't mean this to like, I'm not insecure. I'm not asking this because I need your approval or applause. But y- y'all like what I'm teaching? Yes. Y'all like the Word of God? I mean, really, that's the question. Do you want the Word of God? I know you do. It's why you're here. This is a scary thing. The more I study it, and the more I preach it, and the more we understand it, the more accountable we are to it. So how many of y'all want me to stop right there? <laughs> like, don't say anybody... 
And listen, this group of Jews heard Paul teach and preach and proclaim all day the kingdom and Jesus. Therefore, to whom much is given, much is, much is required. What was required? Belief. For them to turn from everything they had been trusting in to turn to Jesus. And believe him and his messenger Paul. What was the problem here with this group? Was it bad preaching? Everybody go. Do it with me, go. Was it bad teaching? Do it with me, come on. Was it the sermon went too long? <laughs> Maybe, no. Was it that their attention spans were too short? No, they, they, they didn't have TikTok. <laughs> you know, attention spans are short today. And the younger the person, the shorter, typically. Was it any of that? No. What was the problem? Well, Paul, Paul says this. Listen to what Luke, how Luke frames it. Luke says, And disagreeing, Acts 28, verse 25, And disagreeing among themselves, they departed. <laughs> After Paul made this one statement, here's what Paul said. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah 6, go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and with their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would, what? I would, if they would, I would heal them. Verse 28, this is what pushed them over the edge, I'm sure. Therefore, Paul says, let it be known to you that this salvation, what I've been talking to you all day about, this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. In other words, if you want, they will. And this was Paul making it very clear to them and us what the problem really was with this group. How many of y'all know it's all about the heart? It really is all about the heart. Paul, with Isaiah and the help of the Holy Spirit, says, y'all hear, y'all hear, but you never understand. You see, but you never perceive. Your hearts are dull and your ears can barely hear and your eyes are closed. That's the problem. Daryl Harrison says it this way. Listen carefully. It's often, it's often been said that the, that the gospel contains some hard truths. He said, I understand what is meant by that. But the reason why the gospel is viewed in such a way is not because its truths are hard, but because our hearts are. The gospel dares to confront us about the sin we love to commit. Isn't that true? The truths aren't hard. We are. Apart from God's enabling grace. Why do people resist the Holy Spirit, resist the message? 
Why do some people get up and in the middle of a preacher preaching, walk out? Why do people want to rewrite scripture? Why do people want to water down the gospel message? Why do people want to change God's word and to alter God's word and to tamper with God's word, to put new words in God's mouth so that God becomes more palatable? Why do we do that? Because our hearts are hard and we are full of pride by nature. And when God speaks, it's human nature to resist. And that's just the truth. It's not because God's word is that hard. It's because our hearts are. And that's my prayer. I said it earlier. Lord, would you soften this soil? Every time I hear the word preach, every time I preach it, may the word that comes out of my own mouth change my own life. But Lord, give me a heart to receive. God, may you give all of my friends at Midtown the soil to receive the seed so that they can grow up and bear all kinds of crazy fruit in their lives. Isn't that the prayer? Isn't that what the prayer should be? Yeah, it is. So we see a group of hard-hearted, stubborn people hearing all this from Paul, these final words from Paul, and then departing. They're gone. Track with me. I've said all that in 40-something messages to say this. This next part. Their rejection of Paul and his message could have been very, very bad and had very serious consequences, like physically speaking for Paul. Watch this. These Jews could have bashed, beaten, and banished Paul from the city. But there's one problem. As one one teacher points out, what's the problem? It's a good thing for Paul, a problem for the Jews. The Jews couldn't lay a hand on Paul because Paul was chained to a Roman guard. <laughs> Are y'all tracking? And I could just see, you know, if, if one of the Jews was making a move, that, that soldier would don't you even think about it. I'll... Paul is chained to a big, burly, nasty Roman guard. Do you see what God's doing here? The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies live at peace with him. (laughs) What? Paul's enemy, in the sense of a Roman guard that he was chained to, served as his protection, at least potentially, from the threats of these Jews. Because you know earlier in the book of Acts, some of the Jews were pretty hostile to the Christian message and to those who proclaimed it. Are you all with me? Y'all see God in action? He's always working. He's always moving. Oh, he's protected you so many times when you didn't even know there was a problem coming. He's protected you so many times through so many means. And it's hard to put a fish on it and call it Christian as you're going through it. But as you look back, you're like, dear God, that was you protecting me, delivering me. Are y'all tracking? So, y'all ready? Last two verses of the book of Acts. Y'all ready? Can y'all handle it? I'm done. I'm going home. Y'all want it? All right, let's finish. Two, Two more verses. Acts 28. Verse 30, starting there. Paul lived 
there under house arrest two, two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him. He couldn't go to them, but they could come to him. And he welcomed all who came to him. Verse 31, here it is. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. While he was under house arrest. Now, I hope you see that Paul had a fruitful ministry during this two-year period while he was in chains. Many departed from Paul. The Jews departed from him. But others came to him. And he preached the gospel to anyone who would listen. And had a very, very fruitful season while he was in chains. But let me say this. So counterintuitive. This is so counterintuitive. Because again, we think freedom. Freedom's the key. Freedom, go out and do. Okay, God can use that. Okay. But, but Paul is held captive. But the word was on the loose. And during this period, watch. Paul wrote the letters we call Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. We're going to study this book called Ephesians. It's going to come up soon. I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. Paul wrote to the Ephesians while he was in, in prison, in, under house arrest, imprisoned. Oh, think about this. Paul wrote Ephesians. He wrote Philippians. He wrote Colossians. He wrote to Philemon. He wrote these documents. These documents got out from captivity. These words, these letters, these words from God got out. The, the people received them. They made copies of them. And then others got a hold of these copies and they distributed the copies throughout the world. And, and, and if you look all the way back from, from then till now... These documents have been circulating all over the world and have been read millions and millions and millions of times. And will be read, I'm sure, many more millions of times before Jesus comes back. All because Paul did not waste his lockdown. All because Paul chose to be faithful even while he was imprisoned. Think about this. A lot of people say, well, my ministry's over. I can't get out and preach. I can't go about my business. Paul, by the Spirit of God, wrote these documents that we benefit from to this very day. And listen to me carefully, devil and demons and anyone who cares to pay attention. There's no government on this planet. There's no imprisonment that Christians will ever face that will stop the kingdom of God and the word of God from going out into this world to have its full effect. Can it be hindered? Of course. From our perception, can things be slowed down? Of course. Can Christians be persecuted and put to death? Of course. But at the end of the day, God is going to have the final say in history. And listen to me, y'all. The gospel is going forth now, not just through messengers on the ground, but over Facebook, Instagram, any type of platform that's out there, God is using. The devil's using it, but God is getting his word to the ends of the earth. And nobody can stop it. 
Nobody can stop it. Just settle it. Nobody can stop your God. Nobody can stop his kingdom. And he uses people just like you and me to advance it. Faithful people. Potentially like you and me. And I'm not trying to prophesy doom and gloom. Just my opinion. I think in days to come, it's going to be harder to be a Christian, not easier. It's easy to raise your hand in church and say, sign me up for heaven. That's easy. But it's a whole other level when the pressure of culture comes against you and when you're persecuted and when you are ridiculed and when you are threatened. The question is, will you serve the Lord then? And I have faith that y'all will. But you better prepare for it. The fire is coming. The fire of persecution. It's here. I don't think it's going to get better for us. But as the world gets darker, as the pressure gets stronger, the light shines brighter in the faithful. In the faithful. In the faithful. Come on, this little light of mine. Sing it with me. This little light of... No, don't sing it. You're getting ready to. Y'all are getting nostalgic on me. Come on, we're going to let it shine. In the darkness. So, the word is on the loose. Say it with me. The word is on the loose. Say it. Come on, the word is on the loose. The word has been loosed. Devil, you're so defeated. Jesus is going to stomp your head and cast you into the lake of burning sulfur. And Paul says, may the God of peace crush Satan under our feet. Y'all ready for that? He's given us power and authority over serpents and scorpions and all the forces of evil. And by no means will anything harm us spiritually because we are protected by the blood of the Lamb. And notice I said spiritually. We are protected by His great grace. So watch this. I'm almost done. Someone say, yeah, right. Now watch this. Watch this. This is it. This is, I'm getting ready to get ready to get close. Watch this. So this book ends in verse 31. Y'all see that? Y'all see it? Got your Bible? You see it? See it on the screen? Okay. That's frustrating to me. Not because it ends, but because of the way it ends. Like, Luke, could you kind of like soften the landing or maybe like give a conclusion? Like say, thank you for joining me. <laughs> like it's been nice spending this time with y'all. But it just ends. Why does it end so abruptly? I have my opinions, and my opinions don't matter. But let me just say this, moving on from that. Write this down if you're taking notes. The book of Acts was finished. When Luke finished it, it was done. The book of Acts is finished, but the mission of God isn't. The book's done, but the mission remains the same for Christians in every generation from then until Jesus comes back. The book is done. God said through Luke everything that he wanted to say. But just because the book was done doesn't mean the mission is done. How many of y'all know? We are called to 
receive the torch, to receive the baton from generations of people who've gone before. Moving this way forward, the apostles handed the torch to other believers, and those believers handed the torch to other believers, and the torch of the gospel of the kingdom of God has been passed from generation to generation to generation to generation in the kingdom of God. It didn't matter what was happening in history. Yes, there are horrible things happening, but nonetheless, the kingdom of God kept advancing, and it it will keep advancing and no devil from hell can stop it. The kingdom has been advancing. It will continue to advance. The kingdom of God continues to advance wherever men and women respond in faith and say, Jesus, you are king. Not the prime minister, not the president. We respect them, but we worship you. And Jesus, not Caesar. Jesus, not Nero. Jesus, not Mao. Jesus, not whoever the next president will be, is the king of heaven and earth. And as Christians, our ultimate allegiance is to him. And as long as we keep the main thing, the main thing, the main one, the main one, the gospel will continue to go forth and the nations will be saved. And we can say that the nations rejoice because Jesus is king of the world. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. And so here we are, all these years later. And I saw this clearly last night as I was writing this part of my message. The torch that has been passed from generation to generation to generation is now being passed to you and to me. My question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to be satisfied just coming to church? Or as I said, I think it was my very first message from Acts. Or are we, by the Spirit of God, going to take church to people? Is our mission going to be to warm seats? And I'm glad you're here. Or is our mission to come here to receive the Word of God to get filled with the Spirit of God, to go on mission for God so all of Acadiana will hear the Word of God and so that people will be delivered from sin and darkness and depression and addiction. What are you going to do with the torch? Just going to wave it? Or are you going to run with it? Everybody here, you need to go on a mission trip. And the person said, well, I go, Pastor Scott, I go on mission every time I go to work. Amen. How many of y'all know there's some lost people up in this city? Yes, I get it. Richard, have you ever gone to the nations, to another nation, to uh, do some kind of missions work at all? Let me see your hand. Raise your hand. Was it a blessing? We're going to do more. As a matter of fact, we've got Mission Sunday coming soon. And we're going to give you all kinds of opportunities to get on a plane, to go to other nations, to take part in what God is doing there. But here we are, we have the torch. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do now that we've been through 28 chapters of the book of Acts? Is it just good information? Like find a, find a, a filing place in your head, store the information. That was good, that was good. Or are we going to take what we've learned and be transformed by it and put it to work? Here's what I believe 
Luke is asking us to do. Here's what I believe he's asking by the Spirit of God for you to do. Number one, he's asking us to repent of our sin and to believe the gospel. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. The true king of kings has come and the true king is going to come again. Are you ready to meet him and stand before the king of all the earth? He's asking us to repent, to turn. He's asking us to believe him. To whom much is given, Y'all have been given quite a lot, haven't you? I've been given a great deal. Next, Luke, by the Spirit, is asking us, us, to devote ourselves to prayer and to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. To say, God, I can't do this in my own strength. God, I need you. God, I need your spirit. I need your word to work in me. I need your spirit to bring me to life and to continue to give me life. He's asking, Luke is asking us to, check it out, love one another deeply and to stand for truth courageously. You know you can do both? You know you can stand for truth and love people while doing so? Some people think if I take a stand for truth, well, that, that, you, that's, you've moved outside of love. Actually, no. When you stand for truth in the right posture, that is a form of love. So, Lord, we're going to stand on your word, and we're going to love one another. We're going to speak the truth to one another. We're going to speak the truth to this community in love. He's asking, Luke is asking us to live by faith and to take risks for the sake of the gospel. And, and that practically means that, you know, when you share the gospel with someone at work, or to even with a family member. How many of y'all know? You share God's truth. That can be risky business. Because what could happen? They could depart from you. <laughs> they could reject you. I'm asking you to take that risk for the sake of the gospel. Listen, he's asking us to be faithful to Jesus to the very end no matter what it costs us. That's a tall order, huh? How many of y'all know it's worth it? How many of y'all know it's worth it? To be faithful to Jesus, to gain Jesus, to forsake the world and the pleasures of the world. When you get Jesus, you get all the riches of all the riches of the kingdom, all the riches of wisdom and knowledge, every good thing God gives is through His Son to us, to we who believe. So whatever you lose in this world doesn't really matter, does it? Reputation? Material stuff? Listen to me. When you get home today, go out to your storage area, your garage, wherever, even walk through your house. Look at all your nice stuff, which is, can be a blessing. But just remember this. It's all kindling for the day of judgment. It's all going to burn and be done away with. 
one day, this world is going to pass away. All your stuff, all my stuff that we work so hard to pay for, it's all temporal, but the promises of God are eternal. Come on, y'all. Let's live for what's eternal. Let's live for our reward in heaven. That's what Paul lived for. Y'all see that in Paul? That's what he lived for. Can I share one more thing? Are you sure? Can I? May I? May I? I know I'm going long, but we're done after this. Watch. Stick with me. The book of Acts ends rather abruptly, as mentioned. But if you read on in history beyond Acts, the Lord wasn't done with Paul, and Paul wasn't done with the Lord in the sense that he remained faithful to him. Let me give you the quick picture, then we're going to be done. If you study the rest of the story, somehow Paul avoided being sentenced to death under Nero during his first imprisonment. He escaped death. He escaped being sentenced. We don't know all the details. He escaped. He was released, I should say. He was released. And then Paul went to Spain and to other places. He did more missions work. He went on to another season where he was very fruitful for the Lord. But then inevitably he was arrested again brought to Rome, and the second time he was thrown into a prison. And the, the second time he was arrested, circumstances were not so good. They were not at work in his favor. For example, this time he was in a real prison and didn't have the same freedoms as he did earlier. Many people abandoned him, some deserted him, and even worse, the most powerful man on earth wanted Paul dead. Nero, this time, wanted him dead. As I'm sure you all remember, it was in the summer of AD 64 when Rome's worst fire broke out. And this fire swept through Rome, burning down 10 of the 14 regions. It was awful as this fire spread. And the public rumor was that Nero set the fire to burn down these regions so that he could rebuild them and humbly call Rome Neropolis. That was the rumor. Well, to divert suspicion, Nero cast the blame on guess who? The Christians. And Christians, they were crucified, nailed to crosses, and some were covered with, with pitch, nailed to wooden posts, and burned alive for the amusement of the mob, of the Romans. Imagine this. You're a Christian, pulled from your home, you, your wife, man, your kids, crucified nailed to a cross, thrown to beasts, burned alive to satisfy the madness of Nero and the Romans. Next time when you have a bad day, remember this story. And so Nero went on this campaign. He launched this campaign against Christians. And if you remember from last Sunday, Paul gathered wood for the fire. You remember what came out of that fire? At Malta, a viper struck Paul. Well, this time in Rome, there was another fire, the fires of Rome, and another viper came from that fire and struck Paul. And this time that viper was Nero because under Nero, Paul's head was cut off because of his faith in Jesus. And here's what Paul says. 
just before he died. He wrote this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought, listen to the language here. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all at Midtown, let me add, all throughout the ages who have loved his appearing. He said, I fought the good fight. I've held on. Having plenty in lack in every season, pulse it, I've, I've held on. I'm going to finish the race. I'm going to cross the finish line. No matter what strikes me from the fire at Malta, no matter what strikes me from the fires of Rome, Paul's saying, I'm going to finish this race. I have and I will finish the race. I love this guy. Paul knew he was about to die. But he knew that his greatest danger was not the sword. The greatest danger, listen, The greatest danger is not the sword. It's not a gun. The greatest danger is not a physical weapon. The greatest danger for us is unbelief. Because the sword can cut off your head, but only unbelief can cut off you from Christ. And listen to me carefully. Paul lost his head. But thank God he didn't lose his faith. He lost his head. But he didn't lose his testimony. He ran the race. He finished the race. And he stands as an example for us today. May God give us the same spirit of tenacity and perseverance that he gave Paul for us to run the race. Mamas, to run the race. Single mamas, to run the race. Single dads, to run the race. Parents with your kids, to run the race. All of us together, whoever you are, whether young or old, to run the race, to let nothing distract you, to let nothing get you off course, to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and run to Him like your eternal life depends on it. Run, church. Come on, run with me. I promise you. No matter what you lose in this life, you gain Jesus. And because you gain him, you gain everything. I'm done. Thank you, Lord. We finished well. We did it. Come on, we did it. Thank y'all. We did it. We did it. And I know I went long, but we did it. We did it. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We did it. You did it, God. You did it in us.